So one of the rhythms that we have here is we ask questions, because I like questions. So we're going to keep that theme going. So um, as we're considering this Easter story and why we're all gathered here today in worship, the first question I have for you that you can talk amongst yourselves about is, uh, can you cl click it up for me? When you think of Easter, what are some of the things that come to your mind? So just think of that question and then talk, talk amongst yourselves. When you think of Easter, what are the things that come to mind? Maybe it's memories, peeps, marshmallow candies, I don't know. For me, it's Cadbury eggs, for sure. Um, so, so go ahead and talk about that for a minute, and then we'll come back together. All right. Let me hear some of the things that you think about for Easter. What are some of the things that you think about? Flowers, renewal. renewal. What else? Past memories. Past memories. Family time. What else? I figure somebody would say like Easter baskets or something. I don't know. <laughs> the Easter buddy. I don't know. You think of Christine Kister? Hallelujah. Yeah, she does a lot of this stuff. A lot of this stuff. Um, I think we all have memories attached to Easter time. Um, but I think our memories and our experience of Easter is probably a little bit different than people that were following Jesus on this day. Uh, so the second question I want you to consider is, um, which Brett will put up for me right now, what do you think was going through the minds of the followers and disciples of Jesus on the day of the resurrection? Now, for, for some of us that maybe don't know the story as much, I mean, uh, Jesus died on Friday, and then on Saturday, they're dispersed. They don't really know what's going on. So I want you to think about, maybe talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Maybe even put yourselves in their shoes. If you were a disciple, how would you feel? What would you be thinking on the day of the resurrection? Go ahead and think about that. Talk. All right. Slowly dying down, right? So tell me, what do you, what do you think? When you think of the disciples and their experience of the resurrection day, what are some of the emotions and feelings that they may have been going through? Fear? Confusion. Confusion? Hopeless. Hopeless? Guilt? Guilt. Despair. Despair? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yep. See, that's part of it. But then the interesting thing is there's kind of these, it's a two-part series of the resurrection, right? It goes from utter hopelessness to, like, crazy hope, just like that. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about this shift um, from hopeless, um, from the hopelessness because of brokenness. You can put it up. So I want you to think about that. Um, because the disciples, the reason why they were hopeless is they, they knew that Jesus, he was the Messiah, right? Even if they didn't know what that means, right? They knew he was the king. He was the one that was going to save them. He was the one that was going to bring restoration. And even more so from a first century perspective, he's thinking, Somehow he's going to defeat Rome, right? Like he's the king. And then suddenly he dies his criminal's death on a cross. And that utter despair. I mean, I was thinking uh, of Peter because, I mean, if you know a little bit about me, I'm kind of an all-in kind of person, right? And that can be pretty annoying for the people in my life probably. And Peter is that all-in kind of person. He's like, I'm all about this Jesus. And then Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And then certainly we know the story. He denies him three times. The amount of despair that he was holding in his heart for denying this Savior. And that's just one of, the, one of the people involved in this story, right? So they go from utter hopelessness. And why, see, the crazy thing is, is why were they hopeless? 
It's because he provided hope. See, the, the story, if you, if you hold your Bible and you were, I'm not asking you to, but if you were to hold your Bible and you started in Genesis, the story that you would see is that God has this intimate, passionate love for humanity. And he invites them into that love. He welcomes them. He, he says, create and flourish alongside of me. Walk with me in the garden. But the unfortunate reality is, you know, a couple chapters into the story, we see that it's the opposite. And rather than going about things the way that God desires, humanity says, what if I went about it my way? What if I could be like God? So they start this God playing, playing like God. And the reality is, is we all do it. We all play like God. We all have our situations where we think we know best, that we're going to do best, that we can actually tell God what to do because we know, Right? And so we see this time and time again as humanity is saying, this is how I'm going to live my life. And what happens when we do things our way? You're chuckling because you know the results, right? You you can think of the instances in your life when you're like, man, I was going to do it this way, and then this was the effect. And And truly, it's not condemnation. It's really just more a discussion of reality. That's the reality, is when we go about doing things the way that we think best, oftentimes we kind of tend to fall flat. And the hard part about that is, too, is is that we don't just live into our brokenness. We break other people, right? Is that when we do things our way rather than with people, we tend to hurt one another. And so suddenly, Jesus comes onto the scene, and he says, there's a different way to go about this life. Like, you don't have to live in your way into brokenness, you can live into the fullness of life. And let me show you what that looks like. So you see, he's healing people through the power of the Spirit of God. He's doing miraculous things, and everybody's like, certainly, there's something different about this man. And that, the culmination of that moment is him dying on the cross. I mean, the devastation is unbelievable. Because humanity is desperate for renewal. I know I'm desperate for renewal. When I'm living in my brokenness, I am desperate for renewal. And so we see the shift from hopeless to hopeful. You can put that up there, Brett. We see a shift from hopeless to hopeful. But before we understand why it's so hopeful for us, I want to put up a verse so we can just understand what did Jesus actually do for us? What did he do for the disciples? This is from 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The reality of our brokenness and our God playing is no matter how good we are at playing God, we're never good enough, right? That's just the reality. And it kind of sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> right? We're like, oh, I thought I had it this time. But the beautiful thing about the gospel of grace is that he invites us in because he just loves us. He just loves us. And that he would die for us out of that love. And so suddenly we move from this hopelessness to this hopefulness. And the disciples really didn't get it yet. And I think if we look at our lives and we're honest with ourselves, do we really get it? Do we really understand how much he would love us? It's really kind of hard to grasp that tangible of, of an act of love, right? But that's why he keeps on inviting them in. 
And I love in chapter, well, chapter 24 of Luke. It was the verse that Gary read for us. The disciples are completely terrified. They're worried. They have fear. In some version, it says that they have the locked door because they don't know what's going to happen. Right? And I, and I look... I look at my life, and if, if you're honest with yourselves, what are the things that you're carrying in your life right now? What is the brokenness that you're trying to walk through? And how do you feel, right? You get worried, you're scared, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to do it, right? And I love that Jesus, in the midst of their fear, he just appears. He just appears. And what are his words to them? Peace be with you. And most of the good Lutherans say, and also with you in their head, right? But he says, peace be with you. I mean, can you imagine that in the midst of whatever you're going through in your life, Jesus suddenly appears and he says to you, in the midst of all the turmoil and strife, he says, peace be with you. How would that make you feel? Well, they were terrified because they're like, oh, a ghost, right? And maybe that would be our immediate reaction. But then he walks them through what peace actually looks like. And this is just a definition that I kind of came up with. Peace is the freedom to truly live a secure life in the wholeness of Christ. See, the constant thing that Jesus does, what he renders on the cross, why the resurrection day is so victorious for us, is that in the middle of all the things that we're working through and all the strife, he keeps on saying peace. Why peace? Because death can't contain us. Sin can't destroy us. We have life. And so he utters peace, peace, peace. And what does that mean? The freedom to truly live a secure life in the wholeness of Christ. Because sometimes life feels not whole, a little bit empty, a little bit fractured. And so when he declares peace, He's saying, let me speak wholeness into your life. And you're like, but Sean, how do I get to that place? It's in and through Christ. It's accepting the fact that he says he's Emmanuel and that he's here with us in our midst. Jesus doesn't just leave it there with peace. Uh, let me ask you a question. Um, when you feel a lack of peace, so like anxiety, stress, worry, fear, doubt, all those things, do you usually want to eat? I mean, sometimes we kind of fear, eat maybe some chocolate or something, I don't know. But usually, like, if you're experiencing deep anxiety like the disciples would be, how would you be feeling? Like you just want to crawl in bed. Maybe not wake up the next day. And I love, not only does Jesus, in the midst of declaring peace to them, he shows them who he is. He shows them the scars and everything like that. Verse 40 says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And then 41 says, while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them. So he was, they're still disbelieving. Have you ever tasted the goodness of God and you're like, no, that's too good. That's too much. I don't deserve that. Or I, whatever your thinking may be. Like that disbelief. He's, he can't be that good, could he? Because we look at ourselves in our mirrors and we're like, oh my gosh, if somebody knew this, right? But he knows, and he, but he knows their disbelief, and he responds to them. 
uh, do you guys have anything to eat? <laughs> Why I love that is because that is the definition of peace. He's so not stressed about it. He's like, you guys got some crackers or something, right? Like, victory, true victory, is peace. Where we don't have to fight anymore. We don't have to argue anymore. We don't have to earn anymore. We don't have to do, 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 do. It's just peace, wholeness. That's what the resurrection renders in our life. So in the midst of our anxiety and our fear and our doubt, we can say, you got something to eat? And we can just rest in the goodness of God. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the turmoil or the strife or the difficulty that you're carrying. But I think God's word to us this resurrection morning is peace to you. Peace. To live into the freedom of the peace. To live into a security of peace. And live into the wholeness of Christ where you feel so broken and scattered as you feel free. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you so much uh, that you would die on the cross for us. That knowing every single thing, every single way that we would run from you, every single way that we would try to play God, every single way that we would uh, try to do it our way and live fully into brokenness. And you said, I'll die on the cross for you, and then I love you. And then you show us on this resurrection day that you are victorious, that death and despair, sin cannot hold us down any longer because of you. And then you proclaim peace to us, peace that the strife and the brokenness and the turmoil that we're carrying, that we're experiencing in our life, doesn't have the last word. You always have the last word. And that last word is wholeness in you. So we pray for that, Jesus, this morning. We pray for peace. We pray for wholeness because we have it in you. We pray for freedom because you have set us free. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.